Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Happy deer season, everybody. <laughs> Jacob, was that good enough for you? No, no, that was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's roll with it, though. Let's roll with We're it. We're rolling with it. Okay. I'm digging it. Yeah. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. And um, it's deer season, at least where me and Jacob, or where I'm hunting so far, uh, which is Georgia. But you open up on Saturday, right? Uh, this coming Saturday. Officially, cool. yeah. There, there's a couple different places that opened up this weekend. Um uh, Lower Hill Management Area, and there's a couple other ones I, I, I heard of uh, where some guys are, you know, trying out there to get it done, but unfortunately I was not able to go meet up with those guys, but uh, yeah, man, so man, it's coming doing? weekend. What are man, you doing? It's, man, it's just trying to manage my time efficiently, and it's, you know, trying to do the best I can. Not but going well. I'm telling you, man, And but deer season is coming into <laughs> full swing in Tennessee uh, this coming weekend on the 22nd, I believe, uh, so I'm extremely excited for that. And you got also, a plan? You got a plan? Man, dude, you know, we fly by our seat of our pants, man. I mean, we definitely have some spots ready to go. It's just, uh, oh, trying to see what cameras show up and then also what the weather front's going to look like. Uh, now, we have s- now, wait, are you going, are you going to go, let's see, let, let me, we have a bunch of code names for <laughs> our tracks. <laughs> so, like, just to name a few, let's see, we got, we got the, uh, okay, okay so your, yours are going to be the, Correct me if I'm wrong. The Cadillac track and the Holy Unit, right? That is correct. And then somewhere in the southeast, we'll be hunting the Mountain Unit um, the later mountain. this fall. And right? then the and then the Tobacco Track. Tobacco well. Track. So we yep. got Tobacco Track, the the Mountain Unit, uh, the Holy Unit, and the Cadillac Track. That is correct. So you can be hunting Cadillac Track or the Holy Unit. Dude, or I have that urban spot. I don't know, man. It depends on. I, I'm about to. I'm probably gonna go check my camera tomorrow. Uh, at the kind, the private place that we velvet hunted at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the yeah cool. at the urban spot, and uh, to see what that's uh, looking like. Also, I gotta go get my my sticks, my stand still hanging that freaking hell of a tree. <laughs> yeah, so the I, stupid I tree. Get, yeah, if you follow tree. our Instagram and you're watching our Instagram story for that Tennessee velvet hunt, you know what the stupid tree is. Yeah, hundred percent. So. Um, I'll be going back out there hopefully tomorrow. That's kind of, that's kind of the game plan tomorrow afternoon. Um, and hopefully, you know, got a couple deer on camera. I've got a feeling that uh, since these probably most of these bucks have shed velvet, uh, you know, we're gonna have some that are kind of separating and probably moving on to greener and better pastures. And hopefully, it's the bigger of the two bucks are gonna be hanging around, and maybe you have another deer move in. Uh, but super excited about that, man. And then also, still got a camera that's been soaking on public land, going on. Oh, I don't even know how long he's been out there. Maybe a month and a half. Maybe going on a month and a half, I believe. Maybe a little yeah. longer than that. Two months. Um, that one, I probably will not get that one until I hunt that side of that property. Um, so it, it just depends. Depends on when I can get in there and check it out. But man, I don't know. I'm super excited for this weekend, this coming weekend, though. And I know everyone else is, uh, especially anyone that's been pattering any bucks for this early season. I mean. You know, Tennessee is, you know, one of those states, you know, similar to Georgia. You know, we opened this a couple weeks later than y'all. 
you know, you can still pattern some of these bucks on these early season food patterns. And uh, if you can get in between the bed and the food, you can ha- make it happen. So uh, this week's episode was recorded a couple weeks ago. Um, I guess it was Memorial Weekend was when it was recorded, uh, September the 1st, I believe, or September the 2nd. Um, it was me and Jordan uh, met up in Kentucky. He was hunting up there, and we just kind of shot the breeze in his hotel room of how his hunt was going. Uh, we talked quite a bit about him running to the hunting public guys, uh, Aaron, Ted, and Jake, uh, while he was out there hunting. Kind of talked about that and just had a really fun time. And then we kind of talked about, you know, kind of what his tactics were early season. And then me going to Missouri and scouting up there as well. We kind of talked all about that. So it's definitely a BS episode, but it's really entertaining, really fun, guys. Uh, had an absolute blast, like always talking to Jordan. Jordan's probably our, our number one contributor to the podcast uh, just because of, you know, his personality. People like him, and uh, he's always easy to get in touch with. So. Yeah, we, we, always get a, we always get a bump when Jordan's on. <laughs> People like Jordan, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And Jordan's personality is, is pretty entertaining. Plus, he just killed. Oh, Jordan's a killer too. Jordan's a, the, just a killer man. He just jo- killed jo- a freaking Saskatchewan deer that that got Dude. lost and wound up in Georgia. <laughs> Dude, he killed he killed a buck, guys. Which if y'all follow us on social media, you've already seen the deer. But he killed a buck that's got stupid mass on it. Okay, I told him I'm like, man, you could you could high five this deer's antler. <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, nah, I mean he. I told I told him like you just killed an illegal alien uh, from Canada. I mean this this buck has been transplanted. Uh, he's looking like he's from Saskatchewan, but this is an awesome deer, and uh, you know he he's uh, he, he's proud of the deer, definitely proud of the deer and, and what he was able to accomplish with it. But uh, that's kind of something that's happened lately. Also, uh, one one of our team members uh, for our YouTube series, uh, uh, Greg Broadway, was able to harvest a buck. Actually, on the same afternoon, probably with I think within yeah, about 30 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah, 20, within 20 minutes. Yeah, 20 or 30 minutes of when Jordan killed his deer, Gray shot his buck in North Carolina, all self-filmed. Another great deer that uh, he's been following for a couple of years on his property. Uh, and, and again, super proud of that deer, and it was an awesome hunt, awesome footage. Uh, so we cannot wait to share oh, that yeah. with you guys. That, that'll be on the YouTube channel. And that that's the when he sent us that kill shot, man. It's like. It's just what you want to see out of a bow kill, man. He just schlocked him. I mean, nailed that thing. And uh, he didn't go far. Great buck and really a good example of, uh, I guess, just early season food patterns. Killed it on um, fresh acorns that were laying on the ground. Yeah, and we'll have to have him on uh, maybe this next week, kind of talk about you know what it took to kill that deer because he had to have a lot of patience to kill that buck. Uh, not necessarily for the location where he was hunting, but he had that deer within range of him for almost i think he said 30 or 45 minutes before he was able to shoot it uh so you know he had to take a lot of patience to try to wait for the perfect shot to be able to get that uh you know that arrow through some of that thick cover uh which if you watch the uh, shot which again when the video comes out you'll see it i mean absolutely perfect i mean nothing obstructing the view a perfect shot of the deer but uh he's definitely hunting in some thicker timber so you know he definitely played the patience card and played out for him in the end and uh, worked out but uh other than that andrew do you have a Anything that's been going on with you? I know you try to go out and have some success on uh, Georgia, but yeah, it, I went out <laughs> last week on Georgia and on some Georgia public land, and uh, I mean it, it was all right. I found a lot of fresh sun, but I got rained out, you know, an hour and a half after I got there. So after we talked to Richard last week, I was just kind of trying to employ his tactics as much as I could so I was gonna go scout with the stand on my back but ended up not doing that 
and um, I just went in, you know, ground and pound. I was just going to sit behind a root ball or something and just try and shoot from the ground because I was really more scouting than anything because that's the first time I've ever stepped foot on the place. And uh, went in, walked a few hardwood bottoms that were not too terribly far from the road and found some pretty good-looking stuff, a lot of rut sign, bunch of rubs, three or four big giant scrapes uh, on the edge of this big thicket, and then eventually found a pretty nice trail coming out of that thicket and it had fresh tracks going up into it but no tracks coming out and it was kind of like a crapshoot I was like well it's it's kind of getting a little dark as in not dark as in like it's about to be nighttime dark as in it's about to storm really bad so I was like I'm just gonna sit here and see if something comes out and see how long I can sit and I sat for probably I mean, I didn't make it long. It was probably 25 minutes, and I'm I'm going to put that on the YouTube channel, too, where it was just like, oh, man, I was sitting there, and it thundered, like, right above me. I was like, uh, I should probably leave, and I got back to the truck, and right after I got back to the truck, it just dumped rain, I and mean, it was raining hard, so I'm definitely glad I made it back to the truck in time with all my camera gear. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that, you know, I joked to you about. I was like, man, you know, Rain ain't never hurt nobody. Just go out there and have fun. But yeah, when you're when you're carrying you know considerable amount of uh, uh, money and camera gear, it makes you think twice about that. But you did say something that I definitely want to kind of hit on right now. Uh, old ground and pound. Let's talk about some of the different. This is totally off topic, guys. But I've been wanting <laughs> to talk about this for a while. Let's talk about real quick of a bunch of the different names for like that mobile hunting setup. Whether it's ground and pound. You know, you get the. We talk about running gunning all the time. Uh, one that I find hilarious that Andrew is not a big fan of is Hang and Bang, which the guys yeah, from uh, <laughs> the guys from um, what is it Working Class Bow Hunter they talk about that all the time. They call it yeah Hang and Bang. <laughs> hang and Bang. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on the phone to my hunting buddies and be like, "Sup guys, I'm, I'm going to do a Hang and Bang today." <laughs> They'd be like, "Come again." <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Zach might be on board though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Zach, you're listening. <laughs> no, no. But like, I don't know. You got hanging bang. You got all that. Also running gun. Uh, what is it? Uh, you know, of course, the hanging hunt. Uh, I'm trying to think. What else is is there? Is there any other ones that? Uh, I don't know. There probably is that I just can't remember. Well, guys. Okay. Anyone when we drop this episode and it's uh, released on our Facebook page. Y'all comment on it for anyone that's listening to this right now. It's not skipping through, trying to find out just who the winner of this giveaway was. Y'all comment. <laughs> y- yeah. Anyways, y'all comment on the post of what you call mobile hunting, uh, whether it's hanging, bang, you know, running gun, or uh, in any of that. And this post, because I'm I, I be very curious on what you guys think about it. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I find I'm it pretty I'm, curious I'm, too. I'm too. It'd be kind of fascinating, and it, I, some of that's regional. I know some of the guys up north say something different from us down here. You know, the Midwest are all about like you know hanging hunt, you know running gun. In the South, it's you know, I don't know. Uh, but hey, but before we like get through this interview real quick or this this intro real quick, I want to actually ask you about kind of your game plan because from how we've been talking today, it really sounds like you're going to be hunting that urban property that me and you hunted uh, back on that velvet hunt. So we've kind of explained that property and we got that hunt up on our YouTube channel. So a lot of our listeners probably kind of know the layout of that property and what we're talking about. So, I mean, if you were going in there tomorrow, as of right now, what do you think your game plan would be for the Tennessee opening day? 
Well, if it's supposed to be like it's been the last couple of days, an east-northeast wind, it would be absolutely money. Um, to be honest, if I was just trying, if I'm trying to just go kill a doe, which is would be my goal at first out there, uh, unless I just have some bucks on, you know, some daytime patterns on camera. Uh, to be honest, I might would, in all honesty, sit behind the barn, dude. On um, that giant oh, yeah. oak tree. I mean, it was already dropping some acorns. Just from, well, just from you know squirrels getting up in it uh, during that velvet hunt. That's been you know a month ago. And I haven't been over there since, and I'm sure that tree's just raining, and there's just does coming out there all the time. Because from what uh, Drew says, you know, he sees deer kind of up behind the pond right there next to that big oak tree quite often. So, you know, possibly sitting on the back side of the barn or sitting inside the barn doing that. Also going to the spot down along the creek uh, on the uh, north, it'd be on the eastern side of the property uh, where you and me sat. I think that would be a really good spot in the northeast wind. Uh, and just kind of, you know, catching those fence crossings right there. Uh, again, you know, we've had, you know, saw some deer from that location. Uh, maybe it pans out, maybe it doesn't, but that's probably where I would probably go. Um, I definitely don't think I would try to go up onto the, um, the, the stupid, uh, stupid, tree? stupid tree, which I decided I'm not going to sit in that tree again. That's, that's, that is way too sketchy getting in and out of, but I'll probably sit to the tree right adjacent to it. It's kind of leaning some. I think I can get up in there and cut some limbs and, and it'd be fine. Uh, plus it's a smaller diameter tree, which is a little bit safer to climb. Um, but I don't know, dude. I mean, I might, I might would go up there on, on afternoon hunt, but I would definitely not hunt that in a morning hunt, especially early season. Uh, Cause I pretty sure I'd blow some deer out there uh, trying to sneak up through those uh, overgrown pastures. Um, but I mean, that's kind of the game plan. I mean, definitely probably staying around the Creek trying to stay, um, as um, subtle as possible on the property and try not to blow anything out uh, too early. Unless, again, if I have, if I have a buck on uh, early early daylight patterns, uh, you know, food patterns, I will be pretty aggressive. I have no issue with that at all. So, this depends, man. When I check cameras, sometimes I'm checking cameras tomorrow, I will let everyone know uh, what the game plan is going to be because it will tell me. But it looks like it's going to be a scorcher for sure uh, for this weekend. Yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be pretty brutal tomorrow when I get out there to go hunt. I think it's going to be like 92 degrees or something, but now I keep checking it, and it's looking like I'm going to get some cloud cover, but I'm not really totally sure yet. But I hope I get some cloud cover, because that would make life a little bit easier getting in there and like hanging that stand, man. It's going to be hot. It's, I'm going to be drenched by the time I get in the stand, but it's all part of it, man. Early season whitetails. Hopefully I can squeak out a doe. But yeah. Let's, uh, let's hop into this thing with Jordan, man. But before we do that, we'll go ahead and announce the winner of this here giveaway that we're doing with Lone Wolf, which a uh, big shout out to Lone Wolf for doing that. Uh, I suggest everyone go check out their products because it's what we use. And uh, we, we love them. We've been using them for a long time. Jacob has been using his for five years, six years? Yep. Going on five years, yep. Yeah, long, long before this like podcast and everything was even a thought. So y'all go check them out. But we had several people who <laughs> didn't <laughs> didn't do all the requirements of entering so to enter all you had to do was you know enter with your email share the post and like our page and i had i drew two guys who entered their email but didn't like the page or share the post so they could have had it but didn't work and i think that happened with that big giveaway we did with uh apex and indian creek in yep, turkey season yep. right we mm -hmm. had to draw several people for that one but anyways uh, the dude who did his due, due diligence and did all of the steps and is the winner is Mr. Ralph Cody from Tennessee. So congrats, Ralph. Glad you won the stand, and uh, we'll be in contact. So 
congratulations to him. And y'all be looking out for some more giveaways coming this fall. So hopefully we'll be able to do a few more cool giveaways like that one we just did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we definitely have some other big stuff coming up uh, for some other cool giveaways coming up this fall. So definitely stay tuned for that. But, uh, yeah, congratulations to Ralph. Uh, you know, definitely he's been a long-time listener of us. I mean, he's probably been one of our – probably one of the original listeners from the first week or two we actually started the podcast. Um, so that, that is awesome that, uh, you know, kind of be able – you know, he was able to win this and kind of pay back for, you know, his uh, faithfulness in us and listening to us every week <laughs> and, and, and putting up with us. I mean, I'm sure it seems like that. Yeah. But anyways, guys, we do appreciate you guys for tuning in for this week's episode. Uh, Andrew, unless you have anything else, I think we ought to turn it over to me and Jordan in Kentucky. All right, we're coming at you live, guys. Actually, not live at all by the time y'all probably hear this. But I'm right now, uh, just got back from Missouri. It was a scouting trip. I'm actually uh, sharing a hotel room tonight with Jordan Barnes from Close Proximity TV. Jordan, what's going on, dude? Man, not much. I'm still scratching my dag. I'm about to scratch half my arms and legs off. <laughs> yeah, so guys... Uh, Y'all can't see this right now because, again, this is just audio, but Jordan has been torn up from the floor up by some seed ticks. And uh, this dude, yeah, I don't know, scratching is probably not going to be the best thing for you. But yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I'll tell you, one thing uh, pretty stupid to me, uh, definitely going to have a lifetime supply of permethrin <laughs> handy yep. for next time. Golly, I'm, it's pretty bad, but I think I'll survive. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's dive into that then, because I'll say Missouri this week, and I got destroyed by seed ticks. Uh, now, thankfully, I didn't scratch as bad as you did, but uh, there was a point where I looked down, sat down in my cooler, and was just looking. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna look look at my pants legs and see what uh was crawling on me, and it looked like my whole pants legs were just moving, uh, with seed ticks. So you, that that wasn't very pleasant at all, especially when you're you, car camping. Your buddy Parker just texted me, said he missed a giant tonight. <laughs> did he really? Yeah. No, he didn't. Said he hit a limb. So they pull a Jacob, man. That's what that's, I'm, I'm the greatest at doing that. Old Parker McDonald, old uh, uh, Southern Ground. Maybe he'll at least he slung an air up. I have one at at 45 yards, just a little touch out of my comfort zone. Well, let's jump straight into it, man. I mean, you know, definitely here to uh, you know touch base with you, get have yeah. you you know closer than seven hours from me is pretty nice for one. Yeah, man. <laughs> but uh, for sure. But let's let's kind of jump into it. So right now we're in Kentucky, and you know that was one thing that uh, you know you had been talking to me about. You know, being kind of excited about coming up your opening season, opening day, yeah. trying to get your uh, velvet deer. But going into the season, uh, you know, what was kind of your game plan? I know you found the spot and stuff during turkey season, but I mean, what yeah. was your thoughts for uh, this velvet hunt? Well, really, I mean, anything I do as far as the public land stuff, it's the same narrative. Uh, the only thing changes is really the location so uh, you know of course back home I'm looking for remote stuff uh, I'm looking for places that people just think more than twice about is it worth going there um, places they're not even thinking of really and places if they did the thought did cross their mind they think oh it's just too much work yeah. that's what I want that's where I want to go um, and whatever that means if that means having to get a bunch of seed ticks or drag a kayak a thousand yards or uh, a mile and then another four mile paddle or whatever it is 
I'm gonna, you know, that's what I want. That's the stuff I like uh, to find. And I had found a bunch of good spots um, last turkey season, and I wanted to also get some scouting in during the mornings. Um, and that's really what I was, what I came down for, came up for, and um, worked out pretty good. I mean, I went to the first spot that was on, you know, number one on my list, and. Uh, got there hung an observation set textbook uh, hung the set filmed that evening before opening day and uh, found a shooter probably pushing mid mid 40s 10 pointer uh, saw where the buck was bedded uh, in the beans and mm -hmm. that's kind of against the grain of what what traditionally us southern hunters see deer come out of bedding uh, to the ag whereas you know this buck was laying down in a drain in the field and he came up out of that and started gravitating towards the other side of this point um, on the shaded side of the bean field so I knew I had a good chance uh, just you know anytime you can observe a buck in his natural state do something from afar that's I mean you can't really put a price on that you know you can run trail cameras but you're you're really I use trail cameras in certain instances but if I'm if I'm going out of state you know you can't really I guess you could run cameras but that's a lot of going in going out uh, human intrusion but hanging an observation set allows you to have real eyes on the field you can see everything if, if they've been doing it for the last two months, they're going to continue to do it. So it helps map your game plan out. And so from there, I went into uh, the next evening at lunch to, to hang the set for that particular buck. Well, before we get into that, let's, let's talk a little bit more about just this hunt in general when it comes to like you doing your out-of-state hunt. Now, this is, you know, you have, you know, good experience of hunting out-of-state for turkeys. This is your first whitetail out-of-state hunt. Right. Uh, now, what was your... What were some of your things you were possibly worried about doing your first out-of-state whitetail hunt uh, that you might not experience back home? Is there anything that you were well, possibly worried just, about? It's a lot harder to get there uh, as far as the access is concerned. Um, a lot, lot steeper. Mm -hmm. um, you're dealing with waterways that have really steep banks. Mm -hmm. um, you're dealing with even further to put in uh, the boat. So just a lot of obstacles that, that mentally if you're not mentally prepared to attack it uh, at 90 miles an hour then you can kind of you kind of get depressed and, and not even follow through so I made my mind up if it came hell or high water I was gonna get to that spot um, and, and it worked out um, not sure I'm gonna get the kayak back out of there uh, <laughs> probably will but but I'm just saying it's it's tough to get in there but but I'll be back it's a spot that I'll you know I've got now for years to come I'll be the I'll be the first one there if I got to get there at 7 a.m. for that evening hunt I'll be there uh, and, and probably I'll have some success there just based on what I've learned from this hunt I mean I've learned several things but uh, I guess that the key point to this hunt was uh, well, let me tell a little bit more of the story. So I go in to hang the set 
to kill the deer. And whenever you're going in uh, on the first attempt mm -hmm. to kill the buck on his pattern, if you don't get it right that first time, then the odds of you killing that deer go down drastically just because of the amount of human scent you're hanging early season, you're hanging and hunting. Uh, you're going to be leaving a lot of human scent in mm -hmm. the area. So, uh, I didn't cross his trail. Another thing I tried to do, I, I saw where he liked to come out and work this point. So I cut in the woods, not cutting his trail. And uh, I found a drain and I took, one thing I'll do is I'll take me some little snips. Mm -hmm. yep. So I don't have to get tangled up in all that junk. I'll snip methodically my way mm -hmm. to where I've got a clean little, if it takes me five hours, I'll get there extra early and I'll pick my way in. Mm -hmm. And I did just that, undetected, was able to get there, got to the group of trees. I wasn't quite sure if he was going to come really tight to the point like he did the evening previous. Uh, that was my assumption. Uh, but there was basically three different trees that I could hang. Um, one was on that very outside point. Another one was on the outside point but further uh, to the west and another one was further further north so it was more tucked in to that point mm -hmm. which gave me better cover uh, so there's basically three trees that could hang in and I, I, I picked the, the one wrong tree yeah. <laughs> so that's basically I picked the one wrong tree and it cost me 140 inch deer uh, and so I guess the one thing no matter how much you think you know uh, no matter how uh, advanced you think you are, there's always something you can learn from every experience. And what I learned was make dang sure I really think about when I'm going to hang that set mm -hmm. that I, in my mind, process what is why is this the perfect tree and really think about it. What if he, what if he doesn't swing close? What if he swings a little bit wider? Mm -hmm. I should have been on the furthermost point. I would have shot the deer at 25 yards. Instead, I was 45 yards from with some stuff obstructing me. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really what I learned. I, I filmed him right there, uh, come out in the drain, and he was, you know, 45 yards. Beautiful footage, just waiting for an opportunity, and, and it just didn't work out. I, you know, and uh, to illustrate my point about the very first time you got to get it right, the second time I went in, and uh. I did not see the deer. I saw the two other bucks that was with him. And I think that deer came out right at last light. Um, and I let it get dark. By the time it got dark, I got down out the tree and I heard a deer bound off. So obviously that buck had not moved hardly at all in 10 minutes like I had thought. Mm -hmm. I thought he had fed on off. And I think he didn't smell me obviously because I had the right wind. Uh, but he definitely, definitely knew something was awry and it wasn't something normal. Yeah. So that's that's where your odds just plummet. Well, so. well, let's let's talk about a little bit more of like just your strategy in general. We're not going to talk about you know locations or anything like that. But when it comes to you looking for your out of state hunt, especially you know you focus on Kentucky, what were you kind of looking for? I know you talked about like being remote, and that's something we look for also. But me and Andrew trying to find something that's remote but also subtle that a lot of people might overlook very quickly that they're scanning at a map. Yeah. But, like, other than 
Well, what made that one area special other than, I guess, it being remote? Is there anything else? Uh, without giving too much description, yeah. I guess it's just hard to get to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you can kind of go with your mind from there. Uh, but it's just a hard to get to spot. I mean, it, and honestly, people could know about where it's at and they still wouldn't probably, 99% of them would not put it in their mind mentally. Yeah to get there just how hard it is to get there so you know that's that's really the main point there and, and there's other spots I've got in my mind that I, ha I haven't been able to get to that are very similar to that mm -hmm. um, so this is a, a a property that that I um, kind of shot out to me as I was turkey hunting that, that this is a spot that I'm gonna come year after year um, you know early season I'm gonna try to stick a buck on an early season food pattern if I don't get it done then, I'll be back in October um, to try to get them on a on a fall pattern. You know when when pre ruts kicked off. But mm -hmm. you know you you learn a lot. Um, still learn a lot. My strategy tomorrow, since I didn't see that buck on the third set, is uh, not going to go back and waste time because you know the gig's obviously up. It would be a miracle if that deer showed up tomorrow evening. I'm going to go into that particular set now. I'm gonna clean out that access that's so it's bulletproof for next year, next next uh, September. Mm -hmm. So I'm already looking right now. How what can I do now to prepare myself for next time? Next time it'll be the perfect tree. Uh, I've already got the perfect tree, but it'll be set up mm -hmm. to the T exactly right. Um, I'll probably leave a base in the tree. I have it have bow hangers in the tree. Uh, so everything will be there, hidden, ready to go. All I gotta do is put sticks in a tree and hang the set quietly. So I think that's that's really my focus is doing that, preparing for rut corridors and stuff like that, and, and early season spots for next year. Um, so tomorrow morning, I'm getting up early. I'm gonna start working towards you know the end goal we're all after. You know, is is to, to be successful, but that's kind of that's kind of how how that whole thing worked out yeah that's one thing that i think you definitely have working for is you definitely work harder than probably much anyone else out there and that's that's kind of like you know you talk about the time sweat equity you know embrace the suck like we talked about way early earlier this year's you yeah. know try to work harder than anyone else and in return you can get away from people like you did uh, but <laughs> But uh -oh. we got we got we got a but, uh, but there is a but going on. There is a but. We got a big swing for all yeah. the all the viewers. Yeah, here. guys. So anyone that follows us and possibly the hunting public too. Okay, Jordan. Before he went on this trip, you know, we were talking about everything, and he's like, he's like, yeah, it'd be you know, it would be my luck, or you said something like, it'd be my luck that if I ran to the hunting public, or something like in this one area. And so happened, <laughs> Jordan. How about you just kind of tell the story well i told you i said the only people yeah that i know of that would go through the effort that i would go through yep. or they have the same mindset strategically mm -hmm. as far as like hunting a buck and all the ins and outs that goes into that mm -hmm. that i that i i don't even i didn't know the guys until i met them <laughs> but you know that i had seen their videos Online, and I knew they were hunting Kentucky, would be uh, the hunting public. And sure enough, when I was on my way uh, the second evening, 
uh, the season, uh, I was bended the curve of the water there and was heading to the spot and they had just pulled up to my observation set. And so <laughs> I pulled up there and, you know, we just talked and, uh, they were, I tell you what, those guys have very high moral character. Uh, so I can, I can respect that. Um, you know, great hunter ethic, uh, saw that I had already, you know, put in the work there. You know, I told him I had found the spot back in spring and I had been looking at it, been scouting it, hung the observation set, you know, uh, just was honest with him, told him what I saw, told him what the deal was, you know, told him that I had a buck on a pattern and everything. And, and you know, it's, it's public land. It is, but there's also something called common courtesy and they extended that common courtesy to me. Um, and so I'm very appreciative of that. And I tell you, that's an example that I think a lot of people should follow suit with. You know, if somebody's already done work in a spot, it's obvious that they've already done a bunch of work there and they're planning to hunt it and they've got a set there, you know, just bow, bow to that and uh, go find your own piece of heaven, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if I wasn't, you know, there that weekend or something, heck, I told them uh, when I'm gonna be leaving here in Kentucky and where the buck is and you know wish you the best now I know they're not gonna tell anybody where the spot is because obviously that's gonna influence their future success mm-hmm. uh, you know so it's just it was it was good though uh, we had a good talk and um, I told them about another spot uh, and then they went over there um, that they'd already been looking at it too it was just kind of funny all the spots that that I had marked on my map that I was planning to go to, you know, uh, they were looking at as well. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, great minds think alike. So yeah, Jordan was telling me today when I was coming down to Kentucky, uh, which actually this is a detour. I was supposed to go straight to Nashville and uh, come back from Missouri. Uh, decided to stop by and freaking spend the night here. And uh, yeah, Jordan was like, I mean, you were saying you're like. We started looking at maps, and every spot I was looking at, they were also looking at. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool seeing great minds think alike. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, to be honest, that shows that you know, with their kind of success they've had in public land across the country, what they're doing, that you must be doing it right, knowing what you're looking for. So that also kind of is, is like another step for you understanding that you know you already knew what you had was money, but going forward, you right. now know kind of how to get away from people and understand it's been working for you because it's been working for them and right and yeah and the things i've been doing you know i've been doing before i i knew the hunting public yeah um they obviously you know are are on the same you know level as far as strategy and all that stuff and heck there's probably some things i can learn from them and and you know the, kind of the same thing uh you know i kind of pointed out to them was these these bucks were gravitating gravitating towards the shady side uh, of the field, which a buddy of mine, uh, Garrett, told me about. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. Kind of just because he hunts up in, in, in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's noticed that kind of trend where they'll they'll move towards the shady side of the field. Uh, so it's it's all kind of little ins and outs there. But in, in the same token, some of the spots that I was planning on going to. Uh, to scout and observe, you know, he had marked too, the hunting public had marked. And so, you know, out of co- a common courtesy, 
even though they're not they weren't there right then I could have went there but I decided to leave it fresh mm-hmm. for them out of common courtesy so it's just hunter ethic you know if I wish everybody would uh, have that same type of hunter ethic between each other when they're when they're meeting people in remote spots like that because mm-hmm. you know all you're gonna do is just if you don't do that then all you're gonna do is just be on top of each other all the time you got mm-hmm. the same spots marked you know so so we have um we've got a good understanding and everything and you know I'll trade information with him and uh, he'll do the same he told me they saw some some shooters tonight so I hope they have success yeah in one of the spots I have marked I hope I really hope they they put a couple bucks down and um you know I'm sure they'll send me you know information so I can fill my tag so it was a it was a good time it was a good trip uh, a lot of things learned got some work to do tomorrow uh, to prepare for filling my tag but yep. can't can't kill them all that's why they call it hunting but I sure wish I'm ready to start killing something yeah so the first yeah. 120 inch <laughs> mature buck I see um, the first mature buck I see in Georgia is gonna get throttled I'm gonna tell you. well, well one, one thing you said that I think you, you give me a hard time about all the time is you know we're, we're killing deer we're not harvesting deer <laughs> yeah yeah just like uh, PSA guys um, you harvest tomato you harvest corn you harvest beans cabbage you know whatever you blueberries we we kill animals guys let's not uh let's not be too pnc because you know uh it is what it is we should be proud of our privilege we have to hunt wildlife as conservationists in this great uh land the USA and let's let's say what it is I mean we we kill an animal but it's all for uh, the thrill of it let's just be honest but it's also has a lot to do with conservation and and hundred dollars fund more conservation than than any other non-hunting group mm-hmm. around and if you look at the numbers it's crazy how much more money hunters pump into conservation uh, than Peter or any of these these groups. Yep. So we kill animals, guys. Just wanted to get that 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 point home. Yeah, guys. Be uh, proud of it. Yeah, Jordan gives me a hard time. Actually, I was on the phone again with him today. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, man. I hope you harvest one tonight. He's like, What? I'm like, Oh, kill. He's like, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Harvesting tomatoes, killing deer. That's right. But uh, we gotta get a shirt made for that man. Close proximity TV. <laughs> <laughs> Harvesting tomatoes, killing deer. That's right. Go. Yeah, man. Uh, but no, so, you know, this week I think was, I mean, from what it seems like, it was beneficial for what you learned. You know, even though you had not set foot in this spot during deer season or really previously except for turkey season, be able to find those kind of quality deer in that area is good to know. Also run into Aaron, Ted, and Jake of the hunting public was pretty cool. Just because, yeah, it was. You know, again, like-minded people kind of, you know, finding the same stuff. Uh, which I think would be awesome. And I know a lot of our viewers and a lot of our listeners would probably be extremely jealous of that meeting, <laughs> uh, especially since we Well, the thing that. is, you know, they're just guys just like me and you. I yep. mean, they're, they're, uh, they love love it just like you and I. There's, there's no difference there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that, that's pretty much it. You know, it, we're all out here to enjoy God's creation and, and go after it and, and public land is one way you can do that. And, uh, you know, great guys, though. But I'll say this. 
the one thing that that I um, am encouraged by is that the reason why I'm going in there to get that tree ready for next year and go ahead and do it mm-hmm. now that way like when I come back in October late October those beans are gonna be still standing mm-hmm. but the transition is where that buck was working that point a lot of those deer are gonna gravitate towards that corner now yeah yep. so the observation set is actually gonna turn into the primary set mm-hmm. which is a which is a great thing um, that's why I'm gonna go ahead and get that early season spot taken care of and another thing is these bucks are gonna do the same thing year after year mm-hmm. so I'm setting up for a buck for next year on that on that uh, second set that kill set where he's working the point those butts are going to lay in that drain next year and do the same thing so i'll be ready yeah uh but i want to go ahead and do that because that'll give like a month or more uh two months of no pressure there uh and when they start getting pressure from the the south end of that property Mm -hmm. that's going to push those deer to that corner and uh when when gun season starts or when muzzleloader starts and all that stuff and it's getting closer towards that gun season a lot of those deer are going to be pushed to that corner which is you know maybe a mile uh, and there's a lot of thick stuff in there but that pressure those deer are going to respond to that pressure so I'm pumped about that spot um, should be good man we'll see well one thing I want to talk to you about just real quick so what are you using uh, talk a little bit about your kayak setup I know you've, you've kind of dabbled in your kayaks a little bit and you kind of have the setup you got going on now so how are you using this kayak and kind of explain the type of kayak it is along with your trail motor set and then also how you're managing to get your stands and sticks and all that stuff incorporated with it. Well, um, basically how it works, I've got a uh, Future Beach Voyager 10.4. I have looked at pretty much all the kayaks at $800 and under. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, this one, uh, I'm actually... uh, borrow it from a guy he didn't ever use it really but it's uh about 45 pounds it's mm-hmm. lightweight it's more stable than any other kayak that i tried out because i sit in right right and yeah. i tested some uh just kind of looking around mm-hmm. before i wanted to buy one now i'm gonna end up getting one of these permanently but anyhow uh, i made some mods to this kayak uh, I like that it was it tracks really really well for its size like extremely well uh, it also is very very stable mm-hmm. so it's got a lot of a flat bottom uh, to it but I took out the rod holders turned them at an angle where I could make a kayak trolling motor mount for it mm-hmm. I reinforced had rivets in it I reinforced that with with tough bolts and nuts and lock washers did all that. Um, once I got that done, I started building a uh, mount out of PVC pipe, high grade PVC pipe, mm-hmm. uh, and then cut my dimensions and everything. Used a two by four and a four way piece. I'll have to post a video about how to make that, but I, I got that made basically. It's pretty much it's a transom for your right for your exactly uh, a side side mounted transom, mm-hmm. and then I. Uh, put a hole behind the seat where I can put my uh, wire from the trolling motor to the battery mm-hmm. 
I had to cut the back end of the kayak. There's a little storage spot there. I had to cut it some so I could wedge the battery. The battery wedges in perfect. And uh, I made some mounts on the inside of that opening mm -hmm. where I can uh, put a rubber tie clip on and then go under the battery and then clip on again so it's secure that that battery is not going anywhere mm -hmm. so it's it's that's good to have it down low just for the you know stability of the kayak you don't have to worry about your battery falling in the water um, but basically yeah that's that's the kayak uh, it works really well I've got temporary Georgia registration for it which is honored in all states but it's it's 90 days so I was good with that. Um, I've got lights for it in the front, a little simple green and red strip, uh, and got a light on the back of it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's some thought goes into it, but for me, uh, it's a temporary fix until I can get a, a 16 foot John with like a 20 horse motor or something. And then when I get that, that's gonna be awesome because I can get places quicker, make my life a lot easier putting in a boat and stuff like that. But Well, that's one thing that I think as a hunter, just you smell that weed. No, I don't. We're in a hotel. I swear, somebody yeah, is like yeah, smoking weed in the hallway or something because I smell it come through the vents. Yeah, we are, we have a we're in a very janky hotel. That's the prior law enforcement coming out at me, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, um, one one thing that I think a lot of people have to kind of realize for themselves, which you're in that predicament right now, is you know you thought you know a kayak would be a good fit for you which it is on some of these smaller bodies of water but like if you're trying to go someplace and try to get farther and faster and this and that you need you know a gas powered boat and you know bigger the better just for stability get all your gear into it and i know after you said you know you kind of ran to the you know aaron and ted and jake from the hunting public uh kind of seeing what they were using big flat bomb boat with i think how forgot what size motor they had 20 horse yeah mercury, I, think. I mean that that would be perfect for a lot of these bodies of water just to be able to kind of get in there a lot quicker, a lot easier, a lot more stability, uh, and yeah. just safer. I mean, like it you, is you safer. Me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm not. I have a life jacket. I'm not really pumped about getting on that water uh, when it's really, really cold mm. in Kentucky in late Oof. October. Yeah. Uh, definitely be putting along closer to the edge yeah. in case I do flip. Mm. Um, ha have a dry bag too, so. I don't know. I mean, we're going to see what the water levels do on that body of water. Uh, that's one thing I've, I'm a little concerned about. Now, I am going to dig out some really good steps where I need to access from and really make sure. And they had that highlighted yeah. on the Hudson Public. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> I was going to say, guys, Jordan made the Hunting Public's first day one Kentucky hunt video. <laughs> his stand sticks and his steps going up the embankment. It was at, in his kayak. Oh yeah, yeah, guys! If you actually want to see his kayak setup, go to the hunting public. <laughs> guys, go to the hunting public's uh, YouTube page. Their very first uh, episode of their Kentucky hunt, Jordan's kayak is like highlighted in that video. <laughs> so if you want to see a setup, there you go. Well, guys. <laughs> we don't have to even film it because they filmed like how to do it for us. So yeah. thanks, guys, the hunting public. Yeah, they, they filmed all of uh, Jordan's B-roll. Yeah, that's how you access those. Basically, I I bring a shovel. This got like a, a serrated end on it, mm -hmm. and uh, I chop out steps in the bank. I mean, another thing you can do is I'm probably gonna put a rope there, um, a camouflage rope, you can't really see it, and I'll tie it to a, a good firm tree, mm -hmm. and I'll have that with the steps. That way, I mean, falling in the river, done that once on, on that spot, yep. uh, probably not gonna do that again. 
um, I'm gonna make sure that doesn't happen. So it's you know. Well, it's slick. I mean, it. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you guys, if you watch the uh, day one video from uh, the Honey Public, Aaron can't get up one embankment. Man, it, it doesn't look that it's, steep, but hey, it's so slick. It's bad. I mean, it, it's dangerous if you're not if you don't watch it. Uh, so I mean, having a shovel is is an easy way to, you know, make sure you got a good access. And there's there's another little travel corridor that I've, I've got a spot. Uh, it's kind of like a staging area, early season, um, and those bucks starting to peel that velvet. I found it, and uh, there's a, it's also a really good travel corridor. With the north wind, those bucks are working the edge right there on this big bedding area. It goes all the way out to a big field, and they're just cutting. They're just running all those doe trails. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's a good spot, but yeah, Putting the steps in the bank and all that stuff, that's just some things you can do to make it easy. I'm always trying to make it easier on myself, but also be safe too. Yeah. But it's all about access. If you can't get to a spot, I'm going to say this one more time. If you cannot get to your spot in and out undetected and have a spot where you can slide out the back door, yep. access it real easy, you're not going to get away with multiple sets in an area. And, and it's just like the butt that was working that point. I had, by the time I figured out the bulletproof access mm-hmm. and, and the back door access and all that stuff, it was already too late. Now I, I know going into it, next year I'll probably get multiple sets out of that early season until I kill the deer. Um, but it's all about learning, you know, you, you learn as you go. Yeah. Well, that's a good kind of transition right there, unless you have anything else to talk about Kentucky to what well, I got going on in Missouri. Um, I was up there car camped for three days. Two nights, three days, and uh, that an area I found up there, which this this property has a mix of everything. It's got ridges, it's got swamp bottoms, it's got marsh, it's got everything on it, and it's just trying to access some of that marsh lowlands. Like you said, you know, having a bulletproof way to get in and out without, you know, alerting deer to what you're doing, and that is the struggle because you can either access it from the north going south, which you know at the time of the year I want to go probably have a northerly wind so that's not going to work very well at all yeah um and then if we access from the south we got to cross this small body of rock water uh at least once maybe twice and you know i talked to you earlier the embankments on this thing are literally almost vertical walls that go down 10 to 12 feet yeah i'm looking at it right now it is pretty steep so i mean that's that's one thing that definitely is it, it throws a wrench and everything but you know, this property that we, that me and Andrew wanted to pick out to go uh, the go scout has again a little bit of everything. Um, fr- from what we've done research on, it's not popular by no means. Uh, we we search it online and stuff. You can't find anything about this property by no means. But it uh, it it has a little bit of everything when it comes to what you're looking for for a western hunt, D- or midwestern D- hunt, diverse habitat. Exactly. And you know, it's first day on the property. I would say it was definitely a success. I, I drove from Birmingham up there, and it took, I'm not going to tell you how many hours, because that probably could pinpoint close to the location. It took a long time. It took a long time. I, I, I left at 3 a.m., 3.40 a.m., and I got there sometime in the afternoon. I'll say that. So, Dang. Uh, it was a heck of a drive. It was a um, long ways, huh? But, yeah, and it was one of those things that, you know, getting there, 
didn't really know what to expect. And actually, once I got there, I was seeing deer left and right on the property, like just driving around the property, and then like on properties next to it. I mean, I saw it was good. Well, yeah, exactly, because you you know the deer number is pretty good. And finally, jumped in, jumped off the road, and started trying to get some access, trying to figure out how to get down to this body of water down there. And it was amazing how much deer sign I was finding. I mean, I was walking down this dry creek bed that was real steep, and the crossings going across this dry creek bed, going left and right across the bed, were absolutely worn out. It looked like dirt bike trails. I mean, just worn out. And I mean, some of the biggest tracks I've ever seen, like a bunch of them. It wasn't just like one or two, just a bunch of big tracks. And it was amazing just of how the deer were using the area. Um, mm -hmm. But w one thing about that property that really kind of caught me off guard was the access to some of the water on the property. It's a lot more treacherous than I thought it would be. I thought, you know. They don't it, have any boat. There's no boat landings or anything? Oh, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not accessible by any how, kind of how, boat. How far would you have to drag a yak to put it in? If you came from southern part of the property, which what I talked to Andrew about, I mean, probably 300 yards down dry creek bed. and it, Sounds like a spot you need to just leave a yak chained well, up or something. Well, the issue is, I, I th I'm thinking about more waders. So guys, a little bit more about this body of water. It's it's a very small body of water. It's not very wide by no means. I mean, it's probably, you know, five yards wide, if that. But it's just so stinky the embankments. Is it deep? It looks deep. I, it's so murky, you can't tell. And there's, wow. there's spots that like, I'm like, that you could be under your head under in that area and you look over here and you see some grass growing but I'm like I still can't tell how deep it is yeah uh, tons of beaver tons of beaver sign all over the place it's beaver dams everywhere and my thought was bring some waders and just walk on the dam or on the downstream side of the, one of the dams across the river I think that's doable it's not very strong current at least when I went in which there wasn't really any rain up there at the time uh, so I don't know how it would be if there was a big rainstorm but for access wise how many other guys are going to be doing that crap huh Cause like, it's it sketched like me out. None. Yeah, I mean, just looking at my like, dude, it's sketchy crossing. I yeah. mean, especially with camera gear, bow, stand on your back. But the thing is, you get across that river. I don't even know if it classifies as a river. I guess it would be a maybe a small river. Get across the other side, and it's just like marsh. It's like you get up, you know, ten foot above the uh, the river, and it's just like all marshland and just like just like oak trees. I mean, it's beautiful, but you cannot get it without crossing the river. In I don't know. Is there any ag around it? There is ag. There, you have a mix of corn and soybeans around the property, nothing oh, wow. on the property. Yeah. And what, I, what I'm talking, I was telling Andrew about is, I cannot wait till they cut the corn because it's going to limit the, the places these deer can bed and hide and this and that. Right. Uh, and they're going to they're get sucked into that timber. I mean, it's going to be dynamite. And that's one thing I'm super excited about with that property is half the property on one side of it is just all corn. So once they cut it, I mean, it, it ought to be just amazing. And plus, that marsh area just i mean it, it's something that i think was really going to hold deer especially in the colder months it's yeah got a lot of good thermal cover a lot of yeah. a lot of uh smaller saplings anything from uh, you know a lot of willows sweet gum uh yeah and, and stuff like that down there um but it, it's it's one of those things like you said if you don't have good access you might get one shot and that's it yeah if that yeah it's it's, it's all about getting in and out easy in and out access i'm that's like one of my biggest things is is getting in and out uh as easy as possible here i'll let you i'll let you look at the map while i'm talking yeah. about it so that's all my pins i got on the property and you kind of get a better idea of what it looks oh, yeah, like okay um so right now guys we're kind of looking at onyx kind of looking at the property and it, it sets up surprisingly well so all these pins are where you found beds or what um i've got 
one bed marked on there, which is, uh, there's three beds down along the marsh. The middle one is a bed. Um, also, there's a big, rug, or there's a huge scrape uh, within probably 200 yards of the bed. Um, and that bed actually is, is probably the biggest bed I've ever found. But what it is, he says, keep, he's just repositioning in the bed that the buck is. Yeah. So it's probably about seven feet long and three feet wide, but he's, he's repositioning. It's absolutely covered in hair, but there's a small sapling, which anybody, if y'all follow on the uh, Instagram channel, uh, you, you probably saw me post this. There is a small sapling the size of probably like a, you know, a dowel rod that's in the bed that it's on the only flat spot is where he's bedded at. The only flat spot in this whole little marsh area. And the, the issue was, I think the deer, by, by all means, was trying to get that sapling out of the bed. Like he was trying to shred it. And he's got the whole thing just absolutely destroyed. All the limbs are snapped off, hanging down the you top just, of the tree. You should have just uprooted it for him. I mean, it was too good looking. <laughs> I, I just filmed it, dude. It, it, it was just entertaining. But there was time marks over. He actually just destroyed that tree. But um, I wonder though sometimes if those bucks don't like a, a bed that they bed in a lot. I mean, I know another yeah. buck would bed in the same in the same bed. Yeah. But I wonder sometimes if those bucks like territorially will, you know, mark that as like his bed. That it's my, the only flat spot where you're saying that's yeah. the only reason why I've seen bucks do that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about it. So what, what I mean is the only flat spot. So, guys, this was the absolute most brutal hike, I think, ever. Like, this this probably beats out Wyoming uh, hiking up there, in all honesty. Uh, the reason why is out in this, this marshy area. So you walked all the way to this blood pen? Actually, past that. Hold on. Oh, my god. No, no, I didn't, I didn't go to the blood pen. This is one that we saved earlier. Oh, hey, wow. guys, we're looking at Onyx while we're talking about this. I walked all the way down. So this corner right down, right down there, oh, okay. that bend. I got you. Yeah, no. I'll, if I could cross the river, it'd be awesome to go over there. Oh, okay. You couldn't cross the river. Yeah. So guys, again, this isn't a video show, unfortunately. So you can't see what we're looking at. Uh, even though we, we'd have to, we have to kill anybody that uh, saw the coordinates to this location. Yeah. This is. Uh, yeah. I, I see. I see a spot or two here. But well, why, I, I see. Why? I see one spot that definitely. Yeah. Definitely, you don't have mark, but I definitely would would hunt it. Okay. Uh, well, let's. Yeah. Well, you keep looking at it for a second. I'll yeah. keep kind of breaking down what happened. But you know, that buck bed where he's located is right outside this big thicket of willows and sweet gum. He's his bed out there, and it very easily could be a bed. I think it's an early morning bed because I was I was seeing a lot of deer moving by nine or ten o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Repositioning beds. I, I walked up on two does that still did not know I was there, filmed them, stand up out of their bed, feed, and then shift around to the shaded side of whatever cover they were bedded next to. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that's what this buck was doing in his one bed. That's how one reason it's so big. And then probably midday, he's probably moving back into the timber where it's a little more shaded and cooler. Right. But um, the only issue is with this property, again, is access. You can either access from the south or from the north. And no matter how you're doing it, you know, you're gonna have some stuff that's kind of tying you up on the, on the situation. Um, there's a ton of oaks all over this property. Absolute ton of oaks. That and um, I guess is it honey locust or black locust? Um, honey locust with the big thorns. Uh, yeah, I think it's honey, honey locust. locust. So there's a bunch of honey locusts as well, which is another good food source for the for the paws themselves, uh, for the deer. But again, the property does not have a whole bunch of people sign. Uh, 
I'll say it has the state of Missouri. I've actually went over a couple different management areas while I was up there. It seems like they do a really good job of maintaining their parking lots, campground, camping spots, all all that stuff on these public lands. Uh, you know, very nice, very impressive. I wish Alabama and, T- and Tennessee could take notes on that. I mean, just how well they keep everything up. I mean, mowing it and everything. I mean, right. it's impressive. But um, it definitely had the least amount of people signed out of all the ones I went to. And that that's one thing that's kind of interested me on why that might be the case. But the location of it is absolutely phenomenal, which we're not going to go into too much of the location of it. Yeah. But uh, just regionally where it's located is a really good spot to be able to find high-quality deer, you know, get away from people, and then also get out there and just try to have success on something that personally I don't have any experience with is, you know, hunting that far north uh, for, for whitetails. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. Now, is there anything on there that we can yeah, possibly we'll, talk we'll, about? Yeah, we'll talk about it uh, later when we get off the podcast. But, yeah, I see some stuff on here that, that really sticks out to me. Yeah. Well, I'll say, guys, you know, we talk about the podcast all the time. Me and Andrew do. Uh, I, I know I've rehearsed it all the time, so – uh, feel free to call me up. I sound like a broken record, but always trying to find something that is subtle. You know, Jordan, your tactics, you know, going in farther and deeper, more rugged than anyone else. I'm about that too, but also trying to find very subtle things. And one thing I found on this property was behind one of the uh, parking lots, and like there's a little campsite there. Uh, you know, a lot of people are not going to look behind parking lots. Very little people are going to look behind a parking lot just because, you know, people camping there, parking there, they're, they're, they're going to try to walk in. And I knew once I parked there, I'm like, I got to check behind this parking lot and just see if there's anything back there. And I had to go through a briar patch, like always, which, you know, that is something that, again, is going to hinder people. By the way, the briars in Missouri make the briars back in Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia look like freaking pine straw. I mean, these things are like walking through rose bushes. I mean, the biggest thorns you've ever seen. Like, I, I got denim jeans. And mostly I wear those all the time back home scouting and never had had them ripped, tailored holes, none of that in them, going through briars. These suckers ripped holes in my jeans, dude. And I actually popped a thorn out of my kneecap today. Actually, I got out of the shower. Uh, it was absolutely brutal. But back to, this, back to this, the topic at hand, you know, got through this briar thicket. And the second I did, I was probably 50 yards from, from the parking lot. I could still see the parking lot a little bit. And the deer sign was just everywhere. Oh, I mean, yeah. trails, rubs, scrapes. Um, with another 50 yards went over the side of this little ridge and was actually talking filming myself and all of a sudden and got, was on the phone with Andrew as well and had him on speaker and all of a sudden a deer a doe stands up out of her bed and the wind's blowing pretty good so that helped you know, of course in my face she stands up upwind of me out of her bed and starts feeding dude 25 or 30 yards from me and just starts feeding there and like I'm, wow. like, and I'm like hey bud I gotta let you go and then I guess she repositions in the, in the shaded side of the tree uh, which is something that I noticed this whole weekend, and you know, the hunting public talks about, uh, Dan Infall talks about, you know, the deer are constantly moving throughout the day. They might, might not move far, but they're getting up and moving. They're right. not sitting in one bed the whole time. Yeah. And that's one thing we no- I noticed was this doe, she'd get up, she'd feed in like a 10-foot circle, yep. and she'd go around the cedar side of this bush, tree, whatever it was, and then bed right back down. Yep. Um, but another thing, I-, I wish the topography maps were a little bit more accurate on Onyx. I love Onyx to death. But man, the topo lines are totally off. There were some, there were some, what I thought were slight drainages. I mean, like deep, dude. These things were like rappel gear. Like there was one of my, I had just had to go all the way around the head of it, dude. It was, oh man, it was miserable. I mean, the deer weren't even crossing it. I found two wow. deer crossings on it, and it was, it was insane. But 
you know, getting out there, find a couple different cedar thickets that these deer were definitely, there's a lot of rut sign behind these cedar thickets. It's on a part of the property that I found out to access it the way I want to access it, coming from the south, wrapping up to the north, you got to go through a briar patch that is 300 yards long. It is brutal, and I've actually found one tree stand in there. I don't know how the guy got it in there. It's a, it's a ladder stand, and you weren't allowed to put stands in there until the, the September the 1st, and there was a truck that came out of there that afternoon when I drove in. And uh, he must have put that stand up, you know, brand new ladder stand, but it is in a in a briar patch. Briars are head high. I mean, you're looking through briars while you're walking through it. I mean, I, dude, I took briars to the lip, eyebrow, oh, freaking everything. And uh, you just had to walk deer trails on the way in. But somehow you got to stand in there, which is fine. But uh, that's something else that's going to deter, deter people from that spot. And, again, it's not far from the parking lot, but who's going to walk through 300 yards of briars? Because on the way out, I was like, this is pitiful, dude. I would not find another way around it. Exactly. But, again, that's how they kind of get away from people. And another yeah. thing I, I kind of look at, guys, is, is property boundaries. I love scouting property boundaries real quick on a, on a small piece of public land. Just to kind of get the idea of how deer are using those lines and using those edges, because that's where you find some of your harder edges is on property lines. And uh, had a lot of success, again, just finding a lot of old rubs and a lot of these faint trails that you could tell these bucks are working downwind sides of this bedding while the major trails are coming out of the bedding, so they're crossing them. Right, yeah. Um, got a bunch of different trees set up for it. But, again, Andrew's going to come up here and hunt this with me. Uh, I'm going to try and make five or six trips up there, if, if I can. Uh, our buddy Zach Marcus from Tennessee is going to come up and hunt with us, and I think maybe our buddy Greg Broadway as well hunt some spots. But again, there's so much public land around there; it's um, we definitely can do some bouncing around and see what we can find. Um, Y'all should have some success. Sounds like man, that especially down where that marsh is. It's one thing you know. I actually kind of went around the bush to talk about this, but you know, you're talking about why that buck was bedded in that one flat spot. Well, reason why is that I say it's the one flat spot. All it is, guys, is this marsh grass that is knee to thigh high, okay? It's matted down, but it's still that tall. When you're walking through it, it's like walking through deep snow, the resistance of you trying to pick your foot up from it because your foot gets locked down in it. Also, there's blowdowns absolutely everywhere under the grass. You cannot see it unless you're walking around it, and, like, you're constantly walking on big logs. Like, not little logs, big logs, like big trees. Yeah. You're, like, hopping over them. And it's pretty treacherous. I actually jacked up my ankle on the way back, being delirious and super dehydrated, uh, trying to make something happen on the way back. And it, I just was stupid. Instead of stepping over, I jumped over a log and <laughs> fell through, and it was it was bad. But it took me an hour and a half to go, I think a mile and a half, through that crap. I mean, that was trying to, like, you cannot walk through it fast. And that was one thing that's definitely going to deter a lot of people walking through there. Yeah. If that is the best act, uh, entrance route for us. Yeah. Um, but again, it's just doing stuff different, guys. I know we're kind of rambling on right now in the hotel room, freaking worn out. This is the first time I've been able to sleep in a bed for almost four days. <laughs> I've been sleeping in the front seat of my car uh, for, th I did two, yeah, two, oh, two nights. It was it was brutal, so it's just gonna be nice to lay in a bed for once. Dude, again. I think I need to get some uh, attention to that. Look how the thing is swollen. Yeah, so Jordan is that like Lyme disease? I hope not. I don't even know what's the symptoms of Lyme disease. I don't even know. I don't know. That's a big raised thing on my. Jo thigh. So jo yeah, Jordan's legs are all like jacked up, and he's got like a big old bump on his on his thigh. It's like that thing's like two inches by two in three inches. He's got that West Nile virus. Something. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. Probably go to the uh, hospital, guys. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep you updated. We'll do we'll do a video vlog from the hospital. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> awesome. Well, do you got anything else uh, for tonight? That's it, man. We'll check back in and give y'all an update on how the season's going. Uh, Georgia's coming in this weekend, so be back at the public in Georgia yep. and uh, see, see what happens. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys, well, we appreciate you guys for uh, tuning in for this week's episode. I know it's kind of a BS session from the hotel room, but uh, keep up to date with us. Also, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. Also, check out Jordan's YouTube channel and his Instagram and Facebook channels as well. Uh, but we have some really cool hunts coming up, guys, on our YouTube channel that we're going to be dropping. So make sure you like and subscribe and then keep up to date with us. You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who will wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year. And guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.